Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome you back to this series that we started here in the fall and we're well into the fall now. So we're into this series entitled DNA. And so some of you have been trekking along with us. I want to welcome those watching by video as well as online. And, and again, you've been joining us and growing in this series with us. Some of you are new, so you're asking the question, what is DNA? What's this all about? And so I'll catch you up to speed a little bit. But it is fall, so we've had a, a little weather change, and then we've got a little schedule change, and so everything's changing with the season. I personally like the fall, and so I like everything about it. And so we've been in this change. One of the big things that comes with the fall kickoff season at Milestone is one of the things that we really prioritize is not just doing church in rows, but also being in circles and making a big church small. So we always emphasize small groups. We've been doing that the last few weeks. If you're new, we'd love to help you get a chance to connect that way. Um, it's so encouraging to have people praying with you to meet new friends uh, and to grow together. And so we really prioritize that and we're excited about it. We got all kinds of groups. We got people walking around with blue shirts on. They're ready to serve you out in our commons area and we'd love to help you with it. We have connect groups and we have men's groups and women's groups and we have groups on financial peace. If you're struggling with your resources, we have coaches and people that want to help you learn how to handle your money God's way. One of the things I'm really excited about is a journey uh, that we're starting this fall uh, in the area of freedom. And so there's a nine-week small group process uh, that is going to be culminated with a, a moment together. And so I'm excited about these freedom groups. I think we have close to 300 people signed up now, but we have space for you. We still have some open groups. Love for you to participate in that. You're like, Jeff, what is that? Well, if you're going to reach your potential, then getting to the finish line means sometimes you have to shed some of the things that are holding you back. And so this is just a safe environment where we get rid of some of the things that could keep us from what God's called us to do. And I promise you at the end of this semester, you're going to hear a buzz around Milestone Church from all the people that have been impacted by that. It's going to be a great time. There's still space for you. And in fact, some of you, I would like to require you to go. You know, we as pastors can't send an email, compliance is not optional like some people do in their business life. But I'm thinking about requiring some of you because I've received some very, very vicious text over the Baylor game from last week and this week. I think last week we lost to a school we didn't even know they had a football team. I don't know. And then, you know, so we're in the wilderness. And friends, we are in the wilderness. We're just praying it doesn't take 40 years, okay? But we are in the wilderness. The only way I made it past some of the text is some of the venomous people were Aggies. And, you know, your second half last week, you know, it encouraged me, you know, it, it helped me. So anyway, you know, if you're new to Milestone, we, have, we keep the Aggies beat back. We don't, we don't let many of them into membership here because they can taint the DNA. At the very cellular level, they taint a culture, okay? But anyway, it's football, so let's just unite around the Cowboys. Come on, somebody, tonight. All right, but anyway. All right, so football is back. Small groups are back. We're excited about everything. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 21. Matthew, Mark, Luke, right there in the very front of the New Testament. I'm going to put it on the screen. 
And we're going to talk about this next DNA, and some of you are wondering, what is DNA, okay? Why would we talk about that in church? Because DNA is a biological term, if you're familiar with it, deoxyribonucleic acid, and what it is, is talking to us about is our biology. It's this genetic code that makes us us. And so we're, we're borrowing the metaphor, because you may not be familiar with it, but the New Testament describes us as parts of a body. And so as I was praying about our series this semester, I spent some time this summer, I would typically go a different direction. I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Jeff, I want you to really go in this direction and talk about some building blocks. A lot of it having to do with there are so many of you that are new, and I'm wanting you to hear a little more about what motivates us. And, and, and I'm passionate uh, as a as a pastor, I see myself as more than a preacher. I, I think of leading our church like being a coach or being a dad, so I want to talk to you about it. And, and so I want to share with you some of the building blocks of our body. But I don't want you to tune me out. You're like, okay, no one wants to totally just hear about Milestone Church and the building blocks, but, but I, want, I want to broaden it because it's bigger than that. I really believe if you get transferred from here or you become a part of another church, these principles can translate bigger than your church experience. Let's just get outside of that. Let's go into your home life. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today can go into your home life. It can go into your business life. I hear so many business leaders say, we spend the majority of our life out in business, but we come to church and no one ever talks to us about how to be effective there. What I'm talking to you about today can translate into those arenas because I'm talking about principles Yes, there are some of the principles we've gathered here and we're letting you have a little inside look, but man, they are principles from the Word of God that it can affect in multiple areas of your life. And so we're talking about these building blocks. And you know what's interesting about DNA is it, it's replicate, it replicates itself. It's, it reproduces itself. And so these principles, here's a little thought about them as well, they're not just for us. These are, these are principles that can be reproduced. If you think about it, one poet said, in one acorn is a thousand forests. And I mean, you, you're thinking about something that can outlive you, that can go beyond you, that can go into the areas you care about most. And so we've borrowed this metaphor. We're talking about these principles. We've hit four of them. Here's our fifth one this week, DNA number five, we're more than servants, we're sons and daughters. Some of you are like, that is an odd topic, and it's on the back screen, and you're just like, hold on a minute. Maybe you're new to church, and you don't know this, and you're thinking about it. What do you mean we're more than servants? What does that mean, servants, you know? Well, well Jesus modeled a lifestyle. It's countercultural, but Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. And so the principle is in all of life, and a lot of people have borrowed it who don't even know Jesus, the way up is to go down. Jesus, when asked about who could be the greatest, he said the greatest is the servant, the person who served. Philippians 2 says Jesus took on the attitude, even though he was God, he was sent from heaven, he was the man, he humbled himself as a servant. So servanthood is a biblical principle, but I want to I broaden it a little bit to a larger theme of Scripture. 
a larger picture of God himself that influences how you serve, why you would serve, why would you make time to do it, why would you do it with a good attitude, why would you actually get weird and like it? Only one reason, because you're more than a servant, you're a son and daughter of the king. Let me make it even more real because you're like, okay, serving, serving God. Isn't that what church people talk about? We're going to serve the Lord. (laughs) Let me make it real. What I'm going to talk to you about today, if you'll just hang with me all the way to the end. Remember I said this can affect the team you're trying to build, the company you're working in. It can affect your home. And yes, big impact, it can affect your kids. And I know that's something you all care about. That's what's on your screensaver are those grandkids. You care about the kids. You care about your grandkids. I know all of us. Let me tell you, once you have kids. Now, some of you don't tune me out because I, I want to tell you this is broader. This, this, is, this is broader. It can affect even a single person in they, we, the way they relate to friends and others. But I'm going to tell you, in specifically, when I had my firstborn, Hannah Grace, I'll never forget when I held her. I'm going to tell you, it was a moment. I thought, I don't know if I'm qualified for this. I don't know if I have, I mean, I'm a fairly confident person, but if I'm being transparent with you, I thought, I don't want to mess her up. I, I, I'm going to tell you, there, that there was a day there, my life changed. It wasn't about me anymore. And I began to think, what am I going to give to her? Do I have what I need to give what I need to give to her? What will I give to her? What will be reproduced in her? What do we care about? What's on our phones? What's, what do we talk about on social media? Who's the only person we really care about at that game? Our kid. We care about their happiness. As one person said, you're only as happy as your unhappiest kid. That's the happiness a parent has. I prayed with a lady between services who fell in my arms who came out crying and I began to cry with her. She said, pray for my son. He's away. He's a prodigal. He's on drugs. Man, she came to church today. She doesn't, she doesn't care about the songs and the light. She's thinking about him. That's what she's thinking about. You're like, what is this serve God stuff? What is this sons and daughters stuff? It can affect that. It can affect that. What you care about the most, it can impact. What I'm talking to you about it can impact that because here's the disconnect the disconnect is that something out there is what God's wanting to do but I want you to just draw the conclusion I'm going to get more and more practical as we talk for you to be able to give to those relationships to those team members and yes even those kids that you love the most or those grandkids those grandkids that you love by the way God gave you them for not killing your kids. (laughs) If you're going to give them what you need to give them, have you ever thought about this? You have to have something to give. You have to have something to offer. You have to have something to give out. And so if you're going to have something to give out and pour out, then there's something you have to receive. And so that brings us to Luke chapter 3, verse 21. And you're like, okay, wait a minute. Luke chapter 3, this is in the story of Jesus. And by the way, this is a big moment in the story of Jesus. 
an important story in Jesus's life, and yet it impacts us because now we see how Jesus was able to give to us what we experience today because of how he received it from his father. Luke chapter 3 verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. By the way, notice it says like a dove. You see paintings of Jesus. There's like a bird there. He's a okay, it's like a dove. That's a different message, okay? But anyway, like a dove and a voice came from heaven. And look at this, okay? Very powerful. Look at this. A voice came from heaven. You are my son. Notice his identification. By the way, Jesus here, if you say, look, you're, you're talking about the father, you're talking about the son. Jeff, I came from some painful things. This is, this is so deep in me, and I believe it can so impact your life, but don't think I'm unaware as a pastor that a lot of people come from very troubled situations and circumstances when it comes to the word family. And so some of you even reading that, you are my son, and wait till you hear what all God says about him. You're like, man, I walked through some challenges with that. I was not really given the things I think that I should have been given. I walked through challenges in my family relationships, and so I've, I've had that background. By the way, Jesus had a fairly challenged background. He was born of a virgin. His father passed away. He's been running the family business, and man, culturally, people would have been looking at this Israelite guy, and he's... 30 years old, and they're wondering, what's he up to? So he had some tensions. He had some challenges. Now, understand, there's no perfect family. There's no perfect scenario. There's no perfect scorecard that puts everything in place to make it all perfect. I'm talking about a principle, though, that fills you, even in our imperfections, that fills you to be able to have something to give to those you love the most. And look where Jesus got it from, a voice from heaven. A voice from heaven that'll come to you. You may have never had the voice from a coach, from a dad, from a person you love, but guess what? You can have that voice from heaven. You can have that voice from heaven. If you turn your ear to it, that voice will come from heaven. And look what happens to Jesus. You are my son whom I love. I love this here. This strengthens us and look how it strengthened him. With you, I am well pleased. There's not a person listening to me right now who doesn't have an affirmation deficit in our lives. We're wired to need affirmation in our lives. And look where the source is right here. And guess what? Jesus, ha Jesus hasn't healed anyone. Jesus hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't performed any task that he was supposed to perform. He hasn't finished the work that he has to do to save you and I. None of it. Before that happens, you're my son. And I love you, and I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you, not on the basis of your scorecard, not on the basis of your discipline, not on the basis of your, even your obedience. I'm pleased with you, and that affirmation comes down from the Father, and now Jesus himself, look what it says, was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. And let me, let me tell you why this is powerful. He's going to endure some really challenging circumstances. He's going to face criticism. He's going to face opposition. He's going to find himself in a garden right before he goes and gives his life for you and I to pay for our sin. He's going to be in that garden and he's going to be having the most anxious, 
terrible, excruciating moment, and he's gonna, he was God, but in his humanity, he's struggling with even following and doing what he knows he should do, yet he's able to say, Father, not my will, your will. Why? Because he returned back to that moment and that relationship with his Father. I love you. I'm pleased with you. He's walking in that type of relationship. He had criticism, pressure, pain, all kinds of things, and he had a lot of even popularity. He had good things going on. When he came into town, everybody wanted to see him. But see, he was not living out his life here on earth as a model for you and I based on his popularity, his pressure, or his pain. He was living from his position. He was living from his position of affirmation, so whether if he was up top or down low or whatever anyone said, he had nothing to prove and no one to impress because he was walking in that place of, I love you. I'm impressed with you. I've, I'm, you're my son. And you could replace that with daughter, ladies, as well, if Jesus was. It's the same principle. You are my son or daughter, and that's how I think about you. So you move from that place through life. We're more than just those that are serving. We're sons and daughters. And so Jesus carried that out. He lived relationally with his disciples. Why do we do small groups here? Is that just a strategy? No, Jesus lived that way. He had a small group. Live with friends. He walked with them. He was their teacher, but he was their friend, and he would help their perspectives. And in John 15, he said to them when he's coming to the end, he said, let me tell you guys here, a little coaching moment before he leaves. You know why I've loved you so much? Because I've been loved by my Father. The reason I had something to give you is because I got it on a consistent basis from my Father. And then one of those disciples later in 1 John chapter 3, he's talking now to a whole new group of people. See, I'm talking about something that's reproducible, something that's replicated, something we're talking about today, thousands of years after Jesus Jesus had that acorn that has become a thousand forest. The Apostle John, the one whom had experienced that love in a transformational way, said, I'm going to tell you who you are. His love has been lavished on us, and now we're the children of God. We're his children, you see. We're not just performing tasks. We're not just doing stuff. We're not just serving the Lord. We're not just trying to stay out of sin. We're loved by our Father, so we're in step with Him. We're in step with Him. Now, I want to make it more practical. You're like, okay, Jeff, I got you. I care about those things. You do care about them. You're trying to understand, now, how does that relate to me? We see it in Jesus. Jesus is so awesome. Jesus is so powerful. It's even hard there. So, like, let's get it even more, more practical, okay? Let me be very practical. Someone who gets this at any level... What happens is they begin, it changes even the demeanor of their outlook. It changes how they relate. It changes how they, how they relate to God. It's very powerful. And so I'm around a, a lot of people. I meet a lot of people. We're having 101 today right after this. And so we've had a lot of people come through 101. And, and uh, it was amazing to meet so many of you. And I've, I've met them. And so I shake hands with people. And I'm amazed by... Um, People that, that have so many gifts and so many talents and so many differences, so much different background. And, and, and it's, it's amazing to me, though, that certain people stand out. It's just like kids. You know, I love kids. 
because kids have so much potential. Kids have so much inside of them. And so I, I, I love kids. I've got a lot of them, so I'm around a lot of kids, okay? I've got a senior, a junior, all the way down to first grade, and I've been redoing uh, what I just did with my two oldest. I'm redoing the junior high season. You ever go through a new season and uh, you're kind of like, man, I'm, I'm remembering what, what happened in this season. So here's what I, re- I forgot, but now I'm remembering about junior high kids. They have the herd mentality. Come on, everybody. So the, the junior high kids are, are herding, herding up around me right now. And did you know, did you know this? I, I find whether it's people I meet or whatever, or even, even young kids or junior high kids, some kids stand out. They just stand out. God loves all of us, but some kids stand out. You're like, what do you mean, Jeff? Well, let me use preacherese, preacher preacher language. I call it, I'll tell people, say, I met so-and-so. They have a good spirit. They just have a good spirit. People's like, Jeff, I don't use that kind of language. That kind of sounds holy, preacherish. I get it, I get it. Have you ever said, hey, you need to meet so-and-so. He's a good gal. She's a good gal. He's a good gal. God, he's, he's got something. I'm not talking about goodness based on our own ability. I'm just talking about a spirit. I don't know how to describe it. There's maybe an authenticity. There's a life on them. There's, I see it in kids sometimes. They look you in the eye. They got life on them. There's something about them. And you just see them. And some of you that are teachers, you're like, yeah, I want a room full of them. I know what you're talking about, pastor. They, they have this good spirit. What is that? It's more than their good looks. It's more than their abilities. It's more than what they do. There's this good spirit. And here's what I will tell you. It doesn't come by accident. Usually when you see that, there's something they're receiving, hopefully from the Father, but they're receiving that shaping from somewhere around them as well that are continuing to help them understand who they are, helping them understand where they get their affirmation, helping them understand what's the priorities in life. And so there's that good spirit. I would like to share with you on a broader scale than just Milestone Church, what can help you have that good spirit? Because you're like, I want my kid to have that good spirit. Well, you want that good spirit. And that's the Spirit of God. You say, what do you mean by the Spirit of God? Well, let's look at the understand the distinctive. Romans 8, 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God, not led out of duty, not led out of obligation, led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. So He's our Father. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. What do slaves do? Slaves perform for their existence. Their value is based on their task. When they cease doing the task, then they cease to be important. Look what it says. Does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. When you have that mentality of God, then you live in fear in relationship to him. You live in a posture that can't he be trusted. Rather though, here's what we, what we see here, the transition. I'm talking about the overarching view is this, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So our value's no longer based on the outcomes. This is the distinctive. I want you, you may not have ever understood the message of Jesus. Jesus received that affirmation. He loved you and I, so he went to a cross not based on our abilities, but based on what he did for us. We now relate to God through that relationship now. So what we do... We no longer do so we get the right outcome to achieve approval. 
We now have Jesus living in us so that what now the message of the good news of the message of this Bible right here is that we are no longer evaluated based on our scorecard in and of ourselves. So we're not serving to gain approval with God. God, if I serve more at the church, then you'll bless my business. If I serve here, then you'll do this. If I serve here, if I serve that. Look, just like any good father, he's pleased with our obedience. He's pleased with our actions. But I'm going to tell you, he's more pleased with the spirit behind the actions. He's more pleased with the heart for why you do the actions. Because if you do the actions and you don't have the change of heart, let me just say as someone who's been in church since I was a kid, you won't last. You won't last. But if you're doing it from the place of his approval in the place of his affirmation, then you walk out what he's called you to do. So that's how you understand the distinctive. Now let's get even more practical. And that's what we've done every week. You're like, all right, pastor, all right, we're, we're moving from that position of approval. Let's apply it personally. You go, what would this actually mean in my real life if I thought I'm not just serving God, I'm a son or a daughter of God, how would that apply in my personal life? Well, number one, I'll say this, It'll change the way you relate to God. I, I want to tell you, I meet, again, I meet people from all walks of life, from all circumstances, from all situations. That's why I understand a lot of times when you use language like a father. That's how Jesus related, though. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You use that language, it stirs up in us pain, rejection, neglect. It does. And so what most people believe that I meet when they think about coming to a small group or coming to church or meeting someone, a lot of times they're thinking about the perspective they have of a God who does not love them, who does not want them, who does not desire to fellowship with them. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help some of you church people. That's where a lot of people are. I meet them at 101. You know what they expect? I'm blown away by it. They expect to come to a church and a bunch of mean-spirited mean people looking down their nose at them, and the preacher's going to be up there going, ah, you're going to go to hell. Well, if you don't receive Jesus, that is your destination. But you know what the good news is? You don't have to go there. You don't have to, it, but it's the spirit and atmosphere that a lot of people think that they're going to encounter. And they think, man, that's not how God wants to relate to me. So what does that make you do? Move away from him, not fellowship with him, not be with him. When you know he's that loving father, then you want to come to him and be with him because we've received that adoption as sons and daughters. And now we cry out, dad, we cry out, dad, that intimate term. He's there when we're confused. He's there when we're high. He's there when we're low. He's there when we don't know what to do. Dad, 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 it changes how you relate to him. Why? Because he can be trusted with my everything. He can be trusted with every part of my life. I've worked with some, some business guys that do retail. And, and so I've talked to people in retail. This is interesting. And those of you that work in retail, how many of y'all work in retail? Well, you're familiar with this term, several of you. The term shrink. All right, we're not talking about a psychiatrist. We're talking about a business term when you work in retail. And if you work in groceries, or you were to work at Target or Walmart, one of those, you got all these different uh, things that you have to supply and stock. You have a problem called shrink. And shrink is those items that are damaged, those items that the milk that goes out of date. And so you have uh, clothes that have been torn or you have something damaged by a forklift. 
And so you have shrink, you have stuff that you can't sell, and so you have to take that as a loss. But you know one of the number one areas that retailers deal with today, and we deal with it in terms of time and employees, the number one area in shrink is employee theft. Employees stealing from themselves. So if you're like, what does that have to do with how we relate to God? A lot of people relate to God that way. I'm not giving you this. No, no, I, you can have this, but you can't have this. And so when we don't trust, why would an employee steal is that they don't trust that they somehow have a, a version or a, a, an idea of, of, of life that says, man, I have to get mine. And a lot of people believe that with God. But I have to tell you this, when you become a son or a daughter of the king, it's like, whatever you ask, whatever you want, here's my money, here's my life, here's my sexuality, here's that. I can trust you with my whole life because you are a good father who has my best interest in mind. And even if you tell me something that I don't even like to hear, I'm even going to trust you with that if it's true because I know you're telling me for my best interest to help me become who you've designed me to be, Jesus. So guess what? Here it is, all of it. All of it because you're such a good father. It changes how we relate to God. Hebrews 3, I love this. This is a great little passage. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. He served God. He had interactions with God. He served God, and not that we should not serve God. No one hear what I'm not saying. But look at the model change here of why you serve or how you serve. It was to testify to things that were to be spoken later. See, Moses was on this front side of the cross testifying and giving types and shadows of what Jesus would bring. And look what it says, but Christ later, look, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. As a son. So he was a suffering servant, but now he is a part of an eternal family that we can be a part of today. So notice the transition, the motive. Hebrews is all about there's a new covenant. There's a new way now to relate to God. That we can have him and all of who he is. You're like, okay, Jeff, I got the distinctive. I got the scriptures. I got Jesus. I got Moses. I got all that. How does that look in our real life? Well, it changes the way we relate to God. And here's number two, it changes the way we relate to spiritual family. What are the attributes of a good son or daughter? And remember, bigger than church, bigger, this is natural family. This is how you relate with your teams. This is how you build a culture and an environment. And look at the principles of it. Number one, they have a general disposition of honor and respect. Why? Because when you've been hurt, you, 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 you're afraid to give that part of you. And I'm going to tell you, when I preach on honor and respect, I always qualify it. Can I be very clear? I feel very honored in my home. I feel very honored in this church. So I'm not the pastor who's like, people are dishonoring me, hate the haters, we're only do five weeks on honor, y'all need to get up under authority. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I feel very honored. As a pastor and a coach to people, I'm concerned about the dishonor of our culture, the disrespect the way people talk to people and about people and relate to people and the way everyone, why is it pain? Pain makes you be that way. Those that you work with young kids, they're not, they, they have some of those things at work, but when it's coming out in a violent force, there's pain. There's pain. And by the way, this isn't top down. This isn't top down. I had a moving experience the other day. 
my, my son, who's a junior, I was getting ready to preach. He and I had coffee together. And then right there around our island, he prayed for me. He prayed for me. I, I always, man, I, I love to share these principles. In fact, I've got to tell you when I share them, it's, it's so countercultural. People receive it in different ways. What's his angle? What's he trying to do? I'm just, I'm trying to help you with something that if you can see it the way Jesus sees it and received you, it can affect you. And so, man, I'm like, I'm tearing my pages. I'm working on a message. And I was just like, I have it in me. I want to, I want it. God, I want people to get help. I want them to know how much you love them. And my son comes and prays for me. See, see, that's a principle that's bigger than position. Bigger than position. It's that it's not just the pastor. It's not just who's in charge. It's not just the boss. We're all sons and daughters of God. We all can speak to God. And so there's this attribute of that. Here's the next one. They move from being task-oriented to family-oriented. You begin to see the bigger picture. I know that's not natural. You begin to see the, the blessing that comes. You begin to see the acorn and the thousand forest. It becomes bigger than your deal, your, your desires. It, it becomes something that's so much bigger than you that you can leave a legacy. And i got to tell you, I grew up in an old school home. My dad's here. He's right on the second row. I honor him. But he taught me some things that are old school, you know, real old school. But my dad, he, I remember one time I came in there in the living room. I said, Dad got to negotiate something with you. I was a persuasive kid. You know, you didn't want to raise me. But I, I said, I got a little proposition. My buddy, he gets, mow, he gets paid money to mow his grass. And so I need you to help me with this dad. He's, he's paying, his dad's paying him and he's mowing the grass, you know, and, and, and I don't, I'm not getting any compensation here. He broke that old recliner down. <laughs> Come on, you're in trouble when that happened. He said, let me get this right. So you're telling me, I think I heard you say, he gets paid to mow his grass? I said, yeah, Dad. He goes, man, I'm confused by that. I thought, this is not working out very good. I need a new sales tactic. And I've used that for years. Look, a workman is worthy of his hire. God set up that process. That's not what I'm talking about. But... Let me tell you, if you have teams or you have a home or you have or participate in church, not that there's never things that are exchanged, but the spirit needs to be always, look, it's not even so much about the task, the role, the gift. We train people in their gifts here. We like to see people use their gifts, but I'm going to tell you what supersedes it, the spirit of sonship and daughtership, whatever's needed, whatever needs to. I have a job description at our church. But in 15 years, let me tell you, yeah, I'm, I have to preach so many weekends. I'm accountable to our elders. But you know what? I've picked up trash. I rolled out tables the other day for a whole two, uh, commons full of moms here that were in our tubes area that are taking it over by the droves. Because you know why? I'm not just the pastor. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm a son in the house. I'm a son and a daughter of the king. So I'm serving his kingdom, which is even bigger than Milestone Church. Drop me out of a helicopter anywhere, and you know what? I'm like, I'm a son. I'm loved by him. I'm affirmed by him. I have nothing to prove, no one to impress, and here I am. God, I'm ready. I'm showing up on the scene. It ain't even about the task. It's about your kingdom. Here's the next one. They have a teachable spirit. When you feel safe under God's authority, he can shape you. 
He can speak to you. His word can challenge you. His word can teach you. And let me tell you why in our lives many times what the enemy uses to trip us up. He'll give you a bad boss. He'll let you, ha- it, actually you, God may be using the bad boss, but the enemy will give you some lies in that relationship. You may have a challenging situation. And here's what the enemy though wants to do with that is to get you to a place where there's some bad things that cause you to disconnect from God and become unteachable. Because I'm going to tell you, one of the defining marks of people with a good spirit, today's world, the, the criticism, the, the negativity, the lack of ability to even be helped, even when there's people who want to help. I'm going to tell you, who I am today is from parents, from coaches, from pastors, from people that have helped me all along the way. And I have guys now today at 44 years old almost that say, look, Jeff, how do you have so many people that want to help you? Be teachable. Coaches want coachable people. And when you have that kind of heart, then everybody around you begin to say, hey, how can I help you? Say, no one's ever helped me. Keep that. Don't let the enemy rob you of that. And more than that, we want to be teachable before God. God, whatever you have to say to me, ask questions, be ready, engage with him in that way. Here's the final one. They move from they, they move from they to we. See, it's, it's not... What are they doing at the church? What are they doing? By the way, this is a great principle in your company, in your home. Did you know kids that are in a challenged place, if your kid's trying to disconnect from you, kids in challenging homes don't process with their parents. In a healthy atmosphere, it's like, they're for me. They're on my team. I want to process with them. In unhealthy churches, the process is not there. In unhealthy, toxic company cultures, listen to the employees. What are they doing in the big office? What are they who are out for themselves doing against us? They, they, they. But guess what? When there's a healthy environment and everybody's a son and a daughter and it's in every one church, guess what? It moves from they to we. What are they doing? Here at Milestone, we never wanted to build a they, we. What are they going to preach about this weekend? What are they going to sing? What do they have to offer? What are they having for the program? What are they having to dinner for dinner? No, no, no. What are we cooking? What are we putting together? And so that changes the whole dynamic. I want to finish with this last thing before I pray for you. I think sometimes when you have these concepts, it's all the way through the Bible, showing you is better than telling you, okay? And I want you to stay keyed in with me right here at this last moment because you're like, Jeff, if I get this, what's this really going to do in my life? What can it really change? Well, let me show you a living example. How many of you came to Next Gen Weekend last weekend? How many of you were here? Raise your hand. Most, most of you were here. A lot of you watching online as well last weekend that were traveling. I received so many phone calls, texts, people saying, I left that service and I was crying. Let me tell you, it's important as your, as your pastor, when you have that emotion about something, for me to help you process it a little bit, and let's talk about why. You know why you had so much emotion? Because of what I'm talking about this weekend. You saw a living demonstration of sons and daughters walking in the affirmation of Christ. There was a lady in our nursing mother's room who was sitting there holding her baby, and she told a, another person, the person saw her crying, and she's like, why are you crying? She said, I have hope for my child. Not that it's hope in these people, but the Jesus in these young people. And then she said, all I see on the internet is no teenagers can serve God. It's just like you have to just forfeit that season of their life. And she's like, I'm seeing these young people. She's like, I got hope. 
And so, so many people see that. It moves us. Look, it's not fast. It, it doesn't happen real quick. You have to get over offenses. You have to love one another. You have to serve each other. You have to be a son or a daughter. You walk through it. But I want to tell you what is really exciting today for us as a church, what you're hearing, and I know many of you are so new to Milestone, we've been preaching this for 15 years in the cafetorium with hot dogs and Coke machines. You know what's so awesome when you wake up one day and you're seeing some fruit? And guess what? The fruit's not even on your tree. It's on their tree. And it just gets me so excited to see it. I watched Avery Caswell. I, I remember when she was born. I get so excited about her, man. I would say it ain't even funny. It's not even fair. She's 12 years old, comes up out there last weekend and says, Welcome to church where you don't have to wait till you're old to be great and leads us as good as any adult. I don't know if you play basketball. That's not just dunking it. That's bringing the backboard down. You see that young lady walking in her calling, leading, doing a phenomenal job. You then see these others that led at our closer. I, I'm so amazed by them. They're leading. I mean, they're, not, they're not the only ones we have. There's people in the wings working on their character. There's people sitting on the bench that are getting trained. And, and look, this was not like, let's study six months, you know, kids choir, and let's put it on and then have all the parents show up so we could show you some, kind of some cute rendition. They were just doing what they do. That's what they do every weekend. Friends, let me tell you, where are we going to get the worship leaders for the future leaders of the body of Christ and the church that everybody's wondering where? They, they're right there. They're right there. It's sons and daughters. What does spiritual family produce? You're like, Jeff, why do you talk about it so much? It produces that. It produces that. That's what it produces. That's what it produces. It's not easy. It's not flashy. It doesn't make you famous. But that fruit gets on their trees. And that's what every person wants. And we say, man, I want that. But here's the question we have to ask. Are you that? Are you that? I love Kai. I'll tell one more story and I'm going to pray for you. I love Kai. We told this story last weekend. This young man, let us tell his story. Thank you for your transparency, Kai. He says, I was picked on. I was the skinny kid. I was the kid out. By the way, God uses everybody. Jesus used the people that were on the margins. And so Kai comes and says, I wasn't popular at school. And he gets in an environment. I'm so thankful for those that volunteer and believe in these young people and speak potential into them. There's an acorn in them. There's an acorn inside of them. And he starts getting on the team. And this week, on Wednesday night, he brings 20-something friends or however many. Hey, the devil better look out. Because look, when just all of us professional church people are doing church stuff, that's one thing. But when the guys suit up and say, I'm in the game, the devil better start running. He brings his friends to church and his buddy comes over to him. <laughs> he comes over to him and says, Where's your section? We gave you a section and none of your friends are in it. He said, they're all down front getting saved. They're all down front getting saved. 
what am I talking about? You're like, Jeff, spiritual family, I've never heard that church. I thought we'd just come to church, we hear messages, we do the church thing. No, sons and daughters, Kai's. So many people I meet pastors say, where are all the young people in the church? I tell them, they're waiting for you to die so they can do something for God. How many of y'all Thanksgiving like sitting at the kiddie table? I'm like, I want to be at the big table. I want to do the real stuff. And look, it's bigger than just young people. It's all of us. We're all sons and daughters of the king. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. Say, Jeff, I want to be his son or daughter. I want to know him. You can, and he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. I'm going to ask you if you can right now not to move around right here at the end. I know we have a few small group leaders, but please, please, there are people here about to make a very important decision, so I'm going to ask you not to move. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Jeff, I want to be a son and daughter. I want to know him. No, if God loves me that way and he wants to have a relationship with me, I want to have a relationship with him, then you can just simply say, Jesus, here I am. I accept you today. Come into my life. You know the mistakes I've made. But if you'll love me even despite the mistakes I've made, I'm here running to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead, become my Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, then I'm going to ask you to let us know so we can help you grow in that relationship. I want to pray for another group, though, really for all of us. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us with so many competing voices? Jesus, you are living inside of us. So, Jesus, would you help us to stay in tune with the same voice? that motivated you? Would you help us to walk with you that way, under that definition, under that affirmation that we are loved by you? Jesus, would you help us to walk as sons and daughters? Would you help us to change the culture and the atmosphere of any environment that we go into? Lord, we pray that you would do that work in us beyond just words, beyond concepts. Do it by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 